You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible I guess we should dig in and get going here. I got a story pulled up for you right off the bat from Arkansas or Arkansas, depending on your pronunciation. I don't think anybody ever calls it Arkansas, but that's how it's spelled. There's a lot of silent letters going on in this. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I think we should change that. We should Every every letter, letter deserves a uh, sound, doesn't it? Shouldn't be silent letters. That's oppressive. <laughs> like a grammatical justice warrior or something. All right. So <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that means, but it just came out. So you get to deal with it, ladies and gentlemen. I have like no filter and I have a microphone. So you see how that works. That's the portal. All right. Here we go. It happened four years ago. My daughter just turned two. We moved into an apartment. And as soon as we moved in, my daughter just refused to even play in her room. The only time she would even go in there is if I went in there with her. So she had to stay in my room, and we were the only two that lived there. And I would leave the bathroom door open when I showered to hear her, and the hall ran from the kitchen to the bathroom. And when I showered, I could see a shadow of a person in the hall. I'd go check the kitchen and living room, and as you guessed it, nothing there. My daughter would be sound asleep. The TV turns itself off and on, and no one would even be home. Now, my boyfriend moved in with me, and he woke me up one night, scared out of his mind. He says, 
that he woke up to something holding him down. No matter how hard he fought, he couldn't move, and he's a strong guy. The two bedrooms faced each other with another hall in between, and one night both rooms' doors were open. I was sound asleep, and I woke up and sat straight up. I was scared, but I didn't know why. I turned to look out the window. I turned to the door, and the black figure came out of the other bedroom and into the living room and just looked like a shadow with a black hood on it. I had such a fear and fear like an evil feeling. Well, we moved out as soon as we got our things together. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. You see, you get pinned to your bed and then you see in black shadows, that's that's a whole lot of not good in one 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 bundle. So I think moving out's the right answer on that one. I think pretty much all of us would agree with that. All right, so let's go to the next one, and that's Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right, let's see. It's been a while since uh, we had any ghostly things going on. Don't get me wrong. We would have little things happen all the time, but mostly just little things like items would get moved or that none of us had done it or odd things would show up in family pictures. And My oldest sister got out of high school and moved out. Not long, or long after that, we moved into a rental house because we were going to build a new house. Now, this rental house was just fun, and I say this because our landlady had lived in the house as a new bride with her first husband, who was in the Army during World War II, and he died there over in Italy, only his body was sent home, or so they thought. He had built this house for the family he had planned to have, but didn't because of this, his, young, this, his young wife didn't want to live in the house with the bad memories, and the bad memories, rather, so... It became a rental house for her, and she used it as a way to take care of herself after her last, her last husband had passed away. So here we are living in this rental house, not knowing what's here with us. Now we come to find out that there was at least two spirits in the house. One was good, when we really didn't mind him, and the other was, well, it was kind of like a black cloud that would move over you and scare the crap out of you. And when it did, it always left me feel cold and scared that something was going to hurt me, and it made everyone else feel pretty much the same way. If you noticed, I used the word it, not with the second one, and I do this because I don't think it was ever a living person or thing. It didn't feel that way. It felt old and evil, and to top it off, it never took human form. It was always kind of like a black mist or cloud-like form. And this leads me to believe one of two things. It was never alive, or it is so old that it has forgotten the past self or form it used to have. About the other spirits, I'm pretty sure that uh, sure it was our landlady's first husband. Because we never saw him, we only heard him, and he liked to march through the house like he was doing drills at boot camp or the likes. For the first two weeks of living in the house, I wouldn't stay there. I stayed with my granny, and looking back, I understand why. Um, I was scared of the house. I was still getting used to everything that went with my family, so this was still fairly new to me. So while I was sleep, uh, staying in with my granny, my mom was dealing with the first of the two spirits, and it came to visit while she was sleeping the first night there, and she said it was like a black cloud hanging over her, watching her sleep. She looked at it and told it, I'm not scared of you. Go away. And it did, amazingly enough. It did and didn't bother her again. 
Now, two months later, everything was quiet in the house, oddly enough. I and my sister were sleeping in our room, and we had bunk beds, and she slept on the top bunk, and she rolled over and was kind of in, kind of in the asleep, but not quite awake state. And she thought she heard my dad walk into the room and then leave again, and she opened her eyes and was going to say something when she noticed that there wasn't anything there. She listened again and thought she heard it, uh, whatever it was walking down the hall, and needless to say, this really scared her, but she blew it off until she asked my dad about it the next morning because she was sure it was him, because my dad kind of had heavy a heavy walk, and he told her no, that he hadn't been up all at all and had been asleep. Well, the whole family we lived in the house, we were scared by the... F- what? The whole time we lived in that house, we were scared by the first... Quite often, it says quit often, but I'm trying to decipher it as I read it. So the second, not so much because he never really bothered us and he just walked around mostly. Well, that's all for now. I plan on writing more later on. Thank you for reading it. Well, thanks for writing it. And uh, these stories are really quite old, ladies and gentlemen. These are uh, from quite a while ago. So they're from about 2008. So these are not real current, current stories, but the phenomena is timeless. So... (laughs) Not a lot has changed in, in spirit encounters in the hundreds of years that people have been writing about them. So, yes, yeah, they, they seem to have a pretty, pretty constant uh, uh, behavior to them, for the most part, anyway. All right, let's go to California. So it's always been what you'd call sensitive to things that most people have no awareness of. My mom would tell me that when I was young, I would talk to someone in my room, or she would walk past and could hear me giggle as if playing with somebody else. I don't recall much of that, but as I've gotten older, I'm 24 now, things have progressed, and now I'm wondering if I'm in some sort of danger. Even when I was young, I always hated walking in the dark, be it indoors or out, because I always felt as if someone was following me. That pit in the bottom of the stomach, the rise to my throat, and a cold chill that always feels like a cold sweat breaks across my face. This still happens three to four times a week. If I walk in the dark... Usually I'm pretty good about having some sort of light with me, and honestly, I'm not scared of the dark. I just feel uncomfortable. The first direct contact, uh, the first direct, not just the feeling of someone being around, but experience that I can recall, was when I was about 19. I was sleeping at my parents' house. I woke up because I thought someone had touched my face. I rolled over, and there was a small black figure on the corner of my bed near my face, and It was shaped like a basketball and about the same size. And when I rolled over, it was briefly there. Then it jumped from my bed so hard that it pushed it into the, pushed it into the headboard uh, that have a lining on the side of the bed. Well, I screamed in terror. My parents ran in, but nothing was seen. My dad told me that I was just having a nightmare, but I knew I felt my whole bed move and my headboard had items knocked off of it. Last year, I just started having nightmares, and most of the time I could, couldn't remember exactly what they were all about, but I woke up, I would wake up extremely worried with my heart racing, and usually in a deep sweat. For the most part, these were the only a few times a month, but last July, I moved into my own apartment in Elk Grove, California. I lived alone in my one-bedroom space, and for the most part, the community was very quiet, and like most people my age, my cell phone is never far from me, and I would leave it on my nightstand. 
and often use it as my alarm to wake up in the mornings. And every time, and I mean every time, my alarm would go off while I was sitting on my nightstand. I would roll over and turn it off. And when I roll over, I hear this gut-wrenching scream in my ear that sends chills down my spine. Each time I would, I would leap from bed and to the light switch. Now I sleep with my phone actually on my bed and no longer have the problem when it goes off. I can grab it with no problems. This March when my good friend needed a place to live, I upgraded my apartment to a two-bedroom so that she could stay in the other bedroom, and since I moved, things have progressed much, much more. My roommate has a dog, and the dog will often sit and stare at odd places of the room and sometimes the living room. When she comes into my room, she always stares at one particular corner towards the ceiling and growls. That's a bad, that's always a bad sign, I think. Uh, I've woken numerous times with cold sweats and chills and even crying. Every couple of weeks, I have a strange marks appear on my body. They look like scratch marks, but never break the skin. The most recent are a set of two approximately two inch long, very thin scratches on the front of my right shoulder. They almost look as if they're bruises, and they appeared yesterday morning. Any time that I've received these scratches, I've never felt myself get injured and have never done anything in the days close to the injuries to explain them. Today I came home and walked into my room and the closet light was on, which is very odd considering I don't go into my closet, didn't go into my closet before I left. I went to, my, went to the restroom and that's inside of my bedroom to take a shower and the last time I was in the shower tub I had taken a bubble bath and when I turned the water on it went straight to shower status okay like something was messing with the settings got it excuse me well I laid down to go to sleep and heard something move near my bed and I assumed the dog had come into my room since my room is usually the coolest place in in the house by about seven or ten degrees and just as I was starting to doze off my entire bed began to shake I jumped out of bed and ran towards my door and turned on the light, and I realized that my door was shut, and the dog had not been in my room to even make the noise. When I opened the door to come out, the dog was on the other side of it, growling and staring into the room. I asked my roommate if she had been in there or if anybody else may have been, and she said no, trying to explain the light in the shower. I told her about my bed, and she stopped me in my tracks, and she said, This weekend, while I was out of town, she was in her room on her computer, and she heard a bang knocking sound coming from the rest of the house. She came out and saw nothing except a light coming from under my door. But I was gone, and no light should have been on. She described the sound as if someone were jiggling a door in the door jam trying to open it. I have yet to walk back into my room, and she won't go near it. And the dog, well, she's just laying between me on the couch and the door to my bedroom, staring at the door. At one point, she walked to the door, pressed her nose against it very hard, and began snorting. She barked once, growled a little, and then positioned herself between me and the door once again. From what I've read, ghosts are tied to locations, and rarely to people, but not at this point. I just have no explanations. I can't sleep in my own room, and at this point, I don't know what to do next. I don't know if that's the case or not, and I think, I, I think that that's there's a lot of bad information going on, going around about spirits. A lot of people claiming a lot of answers 
that they really don't have. So whenever I hear definitive statements like that, I mean, I'm sure this person picked up that statement from somewhere. Well, ghosts are tethered to places. Well, I don't know that they are. I don't think, I don't think necessarily that they are. There may be energetic imprints that are tied to places, which are more of a, a residual thing. But I think if, if, a, if a spirit is truly, truly conscious, has a, has a consciousness about it, I don't think that it's necessarily tied to a place. It may be uh, a different kind of attachment, but it's a willing one. Like maybe the, the house or the, the place was important to them in their lifetime, or it reminds them of a place that was important in their lifetime or whatever. But I don't think that, that spirits are necessarily tethered in, in, in by means of having no choice. They're stuck. Um, I think that they choose to be in places that for whatever reason they feel they want to be. Um, and I think this is just earthbound spirits. I don't think this uh, it pertains at all to spirits that have transitioned. I think they can come and go and do whatever the hell they want. It's the earthbound ones, I think, that are, they, they may neglect to pass to the, the next world because of some fear of judgment or, or whatever. I mean, that's pretty pounded into a, a lot of people throughout the course of their lives. If you're not a virtuous and good person, you will burn. It's like, well, who the hell wants to face that? I mean, according to some religions, we're all, we're all screwed up and only by the virtue of a religion can we be spared. And, and I'm not here to, to cast aspersions at any religions. Um, they're, you know, they all have their, their opinions and I, I, I can't be sure they're wrong or right. I just know that, you know, to me, that's not a good thing to, to push on to people. It's a hell of a currency to, you know, to dangle forever in front of a person and uh or or slash damnation you know um but i think that that's the reason that uh, a lot of spirits remain earthbound is because i mean we're all flawed we're all we're <laughs> we're all kind of broken in our own ways and uh who whoever feels like they're ready to just face a uh face a final uh tally of of our, our the course of our lives i mean we're all dealing with our own luggage and you know, I don't know, maybe it's easier to stay behind because at least you know the place you are. And uh, rather than face the unknown and, and potential um, torments for uh, aeons, I mean, I know I wouldn't run through the gate <laughs> if if I felt like I had a, a big bucket of crap to haul with me. But um, just my two cents on that. But I don't believe that spirits are tethered like they don't have a choice. I think they do have a choice. I think they can choose, they can be in a house and then they can choose to leave that house if somebody comes along and uh, they they like the person, they may attach to that person, they may attach to an object that that person owns, they may be attached to an object that was brought into a house from an emotional bond or attachment of some kind. So um, I think there's, again, there's a lot of people claiming a hell of a lot of absolutes about things they don't know much about. So people throw around these facts like they are, They've got it all dialed in, and you know there are no experts in this field. There are none. There are people that pretend to be experts. There are people that believe that they're experts, but you know we don't we don't study ghosts. We don't have them in laboratories. Um, you know we we try to understand, but there's a lot of people making a lot of guesses, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. But whenever anybody claims these absolutes, it always raises my flags. Like I don't think you can know that. But anyway, just my two cents. Good story nonetheless. Everybody loves a good story.
Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in i hope i'm giving you good stories i hope you guys are enjoying these all right so the next one is coming from oregon this story actually takes place in several places the first being in california i'll begin there back when i was about seven my family was fortunate enough to get on their hands and on a purebred siamese kitten a lovely seal point that loved the entire family. I don't know what seal point means, but that must be a type of Siamese. My brother was the one to name him, and he was against all of the pet-like names and decided that he should be named after Humphrey, Bo- Humphrey Bogart's character in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Fred C. Dobbs. So Fred he became. A few years after we'd gotten him, someone in the neighborhood decided that he didn't like cats and set out some poison. Well, Fred was strong, though, and he survived, but lost his sight due to the trauma to the system. Fred lived many, many years after the incident. In fact, he was even able to move with us to Oregon and learn our ranch-style home and its cat exit to the yard for, you know, cat-like things. He had no problem moving around, even, even if I decided to move the bed and desk around. He was quick to adapt, even without his sight. When I was 16, Fred disappeared. He was old, no doubt. He had lost most of his teeth from chewing on electrical cords. I still can't figure that one out. But he was still a beloved family pet, and last we had heard, he had hidden in the back bumper of my father's car, and when he went to work one day, a neighbor had told us they had seen the cat there, but couldn't stop my dad before he was out of reach. We searched for several days in the area in an attempt to find Fred. He was never found, dead or alive. He just simply disappeared. Fast forward six or so years after losing my father, having my mother move to Oregon coast and finding myself excitedly living on my own for the first time, I had rented a small one-bedroom apartment in southeast Portland. And I love that place. But it was lonely. Nothing like having people around you and then suddenly finding yourself alone at night. I had a waterbed at the time, woo-woo, <laughs> woo-hoo for being single, it says, and found that I, really, I wasn't really alone. 
Every night I could count on Fred being there. I could feel him jump onto the foot of the bed, making the telltale ripple across the frame, and occasionally would feel him curl up behind my knees as I tried to go to sleep. He was a, a great comfort, especially when I would realize that for the first time in my life, I was going to sleep alone in my own, in my own home. Even though I'm married now and have three other cats, I'm still certain that once in a while I can feel Fred jump up onto the bed. I tell him, hello, make yourself comfortable. And sometimes he does, right behind my knees where he likes it. Well, thanks for reading. Yeah, I've shared on the show before, my mom had a Bashan, or no, a, a Maltese little dog, a beautiful little dog named Tucker, and he he passed away. Um, and my mom and he were <laughs> really close. They just had this really cool bond, and she tells me to this day, every once in a while, she still feels him jump up on her bed and walk around in circles like he always would before he'd plop down. So I think they do stick around. I, I, I really believe that they are they are bound to us on many levels, not just you know that we have food and, and heat and comfort for them, but they are they are truly emotionally and spiritually bound to us. All right, here we go. So this one, next one is coming from California. It has to do with a dark entity. Uh-oh. Uh, it says, I've combined two stories into one. They both involve my brother and happened one night. What well, says one right? Oh, one right after the other. Sorry. Uh, it's, uh, 17 years ago, my parents had purchased our very first house. While our house was in escrow, we continued to live in our small rented mobile home located just outside the city limits to a small desert town in Southern California. The mobile home was on two acres of land, very securely fenced, and it only had two bedrooms, one on either side of the home. A couple years before, due to lack of sufficient space, my parents purchased a small travel trailer and parked it in the backyard so my brother, who was 17 years old at the time, could live in and have his privacy, and my little sister and I could have ours as well. Up to this point, my brother was extremely content with his privacy. However, only a few days before the escrow was to close in our new house, my brother had a really frightening encounter. One night during a full moon, he lay on his bed drifting off to sleep. The familiar sound of our black lab solo climbing uh, into his travel trailer roused him from sleep. He shifted around to, see, to sleepily greet Solo as he made his way up through the open door and over to snuggle on the floor beside him. The only problem that was that Solo was already on the floor beside him, fast asleep. Startled, he looked up towards the doorway. The full moon illuminated the doorway enough so that he made out the silhouette of a dark humanoid entity. The dark entity seemed startled as well, for as soon as my brother had looked up, the dark entity crouched down behind the kitchen bench to hide from his sight. Paralyzed with fear, my brother shut his eyes and didn't dare open them, and the next thing he knew, it was morning. Still scared out of his mind, he pleaded with my mom to let him move into our new house as soon as possible. My parents had planned to do some painting prior to moving in, but agreed to let him begin spending the night at the new house as soon as escrow closed that week. My brother expected a good night's sleep in our new house and free from the paranormal. Alas, it was not to be. No sooner that he turned out the lights did he begin to hear the eerie sound of nails dropped into a paper bag. 
It was the best way he could describe what he was hearing. The noise came from the hallway just outside his room. Being alone in the empty house, he couldn't place any blame on anyone. He was just relieved when the rest of the family moved in soon after. He only told my mom what he had heard, and the rest of us were unaware. A few days later, when my mom was alone in the house, she busied herself with unpacking, and she was in the hallway and found herself hearing the same eerie sound of nails being dropped into a paper bag. My brother's description was certainly on the money. Having had her own fruitful past concerning paranormal experiences, which I'll tell in other submissions, uh, she stood up and shouted, Listen, this is our first house, and we promise to take really good care of it. Please don't try to scare us or any more. And no one ever heard that sound again. Over the years, my brother still claimed our house was haunted. His evidence was that his room was always so much warmer than the other rooms. It turned out years and years later, a hot water pipe directly underneath his room was not working properly and was always hot, thereby making his room very warm and uncomfortable. Once it was fixed, the room was noticeably more comfortable. My sister still lives with my parents, and she's always been freaked out about my brother's room and refuses to look into it when the door is open and the room is dark. I was, uh, it was only recently that my parents admitted the true history of the house. It turns out that the previous owner, an elderly man, had committed suicide in what is now my brother's room. Wow! That's a lot freaky. That definitely leaves a, a bad imprint. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. It's so tragic, though. It's so, so tragic. When life hurts that bad, it's like, God, just talk to somebody. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Alright everybody, and we're back and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Buckle up, we're going in. Alright, moving on to the next one. Alright, so the next one is from Pennsylvania. It says, I'm new to this site and have been really enjoying and dreading the stories and I've been reading, so I wanted to share my own experience with you guys. Well, my name is Joe. I'm 24 years old, living in eastern Pennsylvania. When my younger brother and I were kids, he's three years younger than me, we knew our house was haunted. As all kids do and bragged to our, uh, as all kids did, we bragged to our friends about the strange things that happened in our house. Each of us all trying to outdo each other with a scarier tale as kids, it was all normal because we knew ghosts were real. Now, as an adult, remembering those tales and experiences, I find myself trying to explain some of them on a logical level. Those 
Those blurred with time are the easiest to come up with some kind of explanation, but those that can't be explained really get me thinking. The following is my recollection of some of those events. Uh, I remind myself I don't believe in ghosts, but then I tell myself to tell that to the eight-year-old me. We were deathly afraid of our attic as kids. To bet one another to go up there at night for any amount of money was insanity. There was nothing traditionally scary about the room. It was extremely hot in the summer, very messy, and we used it for storage, summer, winter clothes, old toys, etc. The only thing really scary about it was that it was was an old cubby hole that was closed off by this very small door, about three feet tall. The door itself had cheap, flimsy latch that would never stay up on its own, but always fall down, keeping the door locked from the outside. It led to a place in the attic we never used, and we would only peek in there. It was pitch black. It had an extremely angled ceiling and some kind of packing material that was all over the floor. We never went inside. Like I said, it wasn't a scary place, but just being up there gave you a really uneasy feeling. We'd usually never go up to the attic by ourselves, without someone going up there with us. If one of us ever braved to do it, the one who did would always find themselves running and tripping down the awkwardly winding wooden old stairs five minutes later. The best way I could explain it is that whenever you were up there, you just got this weird feeling that something was about to happen. I'm not sure if it was just paranoia, but it would build up until you couldn't take it anymore. When we did go up there together, we would do it out of boredom. We'd dig through the boxes, play with old toys, whatever. And we felt we felt braver together, and most of the time nothing ever happened when we were together, most of the time. One day in the spring, we decided to go up and dig for some toys, and we ended up finding hungry, hungry hippos. Well, we placed it on the floor in front of the cubbyhole, and we sat on either side of the game with my left, uh, with my left and his right facing the door, and we started to play. After a few minutes of playing, we heard a bang on the door, and the door shook as if someone hit it from the other side. We froze at once and stared at the door. A few seconds passed, and suddenly a series of three louder bangs on the door caused us to get up and dart out of the room, tripping over each other as we raced down the stairs to find our parents. We tried to tell them what happened, but they didn't believe us, of course. Another occurrence happened one night when I was doing homework in my room, When I was finished, I remember walking to my parents' room that was just down the hall from my own, and it wasn't too late. But I was tired and went in there to lay down with them, and the room was dark, but someone was laying under the covers. I jumped up on their bed and put my arm around what I thought was either my mom or dad. I don't really remember why I got up to leave, but shortly after that I did get up and made my way downstairs, and sitting in the kitchen were both of my parents and my brother. Well, I didn't mention anything because I was trying to figure out what had just happened. Well, later I told my brother and he believed me, and we eventually did go back to my parents' room. We slept in there occasionally as children, and there was the bed, nicely made. One occurrence just recently resurfaced in my memory, and it actually hit me as I read another story from someone else, and it was really weird. And it was also really bizarre. I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan as a kid and collected everything Ninja Turtles. Well, I had these sparkling stickers that, if I remember correctly, came with Ninja Turtle trading cards. And there was a section 
to the right of my door uh, to my room where I would stick them in nice rows and columns. One night, we all came down from my grandmother's. We went there after school every day, and this was a particular night my parents worked late. Well, I ran to my room, and as I walked by my stickers, I was shocked to see that most of them completely scratched up and in tatters with pieces of them scattered all over the floor. It looked as if someone took a sharp claws and scratched at them furiously. I called my parents up and showed them what had happened, and they were puzzled too, but just dismissed it as blaming it on my dog. Now, I can't completely dismiss this idea, but the thing that bugs me is that we had a very, very small dog at the time, and if my memory is correct, most of the scratches were easily out of his reach. Well, I live in the same room, and I recently looked at that spot to back this up. This memory disturbs me the most, and one time my brother bribed me to clean his room for a dollar. Well, I took the bribe and started cleaning his room one night, and while cleaning his room, I put, a, I put the strap of these giant yellow toy binoculars that my grandfather bought us around his door handle, where we always keep them. It always made a loudest noise when opening and closing the door. And halfway through, I took a break, I sat down on the chair, and about eight feet away from the door with my back towards it, and started to play with those pet, pet, paddle ball toys. You know, the flat wooden one with the red ball attached with a rubber band? All of a sudden, I heard the doorknob turn very quickly, making the binoculars bounce against the, do the door. Well, I quickly turned around and looked, and the door remained closed, but the binoculars swayed a bit. After a few seconds went by, I saw the doorknob turn quickly back and forth a few times, making the binoculars bounce around violently. I darted out of the chair, and no more than a second later, I pulled the door open, and nobody was there. I freaked and ran downstairs as fast as I could, and again, there were my parents and my brother sitting in the kitchen. Even though there was no chance someone could have run down the stairs that quickly without me seeing or hearing them, they assured me they were in there the entire time. Years later, my parents met up with our old landlord, who had lost contact with, he visited our house one evening, and he and my parents had some beers out back, and as I was playing outside alone, I caught something like, I never did tell you guys what happened in that attic, did I? At these words, I started to edge closer, still pretending to play, so I could listen to the conversation. According to our landlord, many years before we moved in, an old man owned the house. He lived in our house alone. He was also very frail and weak. One summer day, he went into the attic and into the cubbyhole to do some cleaning, leaving the door open behind him. As he did, it's assumed the door slowly closed on him, and that flimsy latch dropped, locking him inside. Being very weak, he was unable to break the door down, and eventually died in there of heat stroke. He was found many days later. I just got out of college, and we still live in the same house. Many things happened in that house that were when we were children. Like I said, I can somehow logically explain some of them, but the ones above leave me in the dark. Were those events just the imaginations of a child or a cry for help from the ghost of an old man trapped behind that door? The most ironic thing is that my brother relocated his room to the attic about two years ago. Ooh, creepy. That's a lot of creepy. 
That's a whole bucket load of creepy, ladies and gentlemen. Very strange. Hmm. But that's how we roll here on the portal. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Here's a curious one. I, I don't know. This is a good question. I'm going to read this one because I, I like the I like the subject. It's it's interesting, and I, I have a story to back, to follow it. If it is what indeed what I think it might be. So this one's coming out of California, and it says, uh, one night while I was still in junior high, I had a really bad fever, and I had hot and cold flashes all night. I couldn't sleep, which I really needed because my parents wouldn't let me stay home unless I was dying. Oh, man, that's brutal. It was summer at the time, and the heat way, and and the heat was more intense than the cold flashes, so I worked up the courage and grabbed the rotating fan in the corner of the room and plugged it in full blast next to my bed. I think I had some fever-induced paranoia because I kept thinking, I saw someone watching me. But every time I opened my eyes, I didn't see anyone. My parents were fast asleep at that time. Believe me, I actually checked. Uh, I, I I blew light from the fan. Oh, the blue light from my fan lit the corner of the room with the dim light that comforted me at the time, so I tried once again to get some sleep. I closed my eyes and listened to the fan, and the sound got increasingly louder. The blue light that shone through my li- my lids turned red, and I felt my body getting hotter. Somehow the lower part of my body began to pulsate or throb with the sound of the fan. My, uh, okay. Uh, I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I tried to move or even speak, but I couldn't. This was one of my first experiences of sleep paralysis. And uh, it says, and then I started hearing voices. They were deep and scary, and I couldn't hear what they were saying because it was jumbled and also because they didn't really seem like words. They got stronger as the voice did and until I felt like uh, it was right next to my bed. And the throbbing spread to my upper body, and the, but were concentrated on certain areas and slowly got stronger as the voice got closer and I felt the air getting thick and a scary feeling in the air like something, I don't know, just plain creepy. I was totally freaking out by then and somehow moved my head and everything stopped. I was afraid to fall back to sleep that night and every time I felt myself drift into sleep, I'd feel that presence or that throbbing and the fear again and it was about 3.30 in the morning when it started happening that night, and I was 13, and I was finally able to fall asleep around 5 as the sun began to rise. I don't know if it was the fever or just my imagination or what, but it was frightening, so I swear I'm not making this up, and I'm pretty sure I'm not crazy. So that's interesting. Um, I actually have a a story, a fever story. When I was little, I I was um, I had some kind of flu, and... and I remember I was laying in bed and I got woke up and I woke up in my bedroom and I heard a man and a woman talking and I know they were saying words, but they were all words I couldn't possibly understand. I didn't know what they meant. What And it was weird because it was like I was, you know, standing next to two people having a conversation. It was that concise and clear. And, and I was like, what the hell's going on? And so I, I, I laid there and listened, and I was absolutely terrified um, being a little guy. I was probably like seven years old or eight years old. <clears throat> and this is a, an adult man and a, and a woman talking. I didn't know what to do, so I finally 
I, I finally like got up the courage and ran over to my my ran off of my bed across my room to the light switch, turned it on and looked around. I said, "Who's there? Who's there?" And I still hear the voices even with the light on. And uh, and I guess it was enough to wake my mom up, who came and checked on me. And then she she found that I had a a really really high fever, and and so it could be hallucination. It's more than likely probably just a hallucination, but. Is it possible with an elevated fever like that that we're activating different parts of our brain which may be able to perceive these kind of things? And that's still stayed with me all these years. I remember the experience really clearly, and I, I just wanted know, to know so badly what they were saying. It was just it was words, but none of the words that I understood. I mean, they had they had consonants, they had vowels, they had inflection, and it wasn't like a, a passionate discussion. It was just like two people just discussing their day kind of thing. It was just this real easy back and forth between these, this man and a woman. So what did it mean? What did they say? Hell, I don't know. But is it possible that it wasn't just uh, a fever kind of hallucination? Is it possible that that, that heightened f- fever actually activates other parts of our brain that aren't normally activated? And uh, for whatever reason, I think my fever was like 103.5 when my mom checked it. Um, So it was really pretty far up there. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it's just a a weird thing. So I think she got me some uh, Tylenol. And and by the time 15 minutes later, my fever came down significantly. So I was so tired, I just went to sleep. I just kind of collapsed. But um, the only time in my life I've had that, that crisp and clear of an experience of hearing a discussion like disembodied voices and it kept going and going and going and going. It wasn't just one or two words. It was dialogue minutes and minutes and minutes, like 15 minutes of dialogue. And at the end of that, I finally got up the courage to run and and then I'm yelling like, who's there? Who's talking? Who's, who's there? So strange. What is it? I don't know. Most likely just a, just a fever, but what if, and, and that's the part I wonder because we have these huge, brains that we only manage to use about 10% of in our lives. So what's in there? What is possible? What is, what is possible? What could we achieve if we were able to utilize more of what's in, the, in our heads? What, what facilities, what faculties would we develop as a result of that? And what things would we become aware of that right now are blocked from our awareness? All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>